You're listening to a sermon from Sojourn East. Well, peace be with you. Merry Christmas. Thanks for joining us, venturing out into the, the cold. We didn't know if anyone would show up, so we're pleasantly surprised. And we made sure it was extra warm in here. Um, we're grateful you're here. My name is Kevin, and I have the privilege of serving as the lead pastor. And tonight is it's my favorite night of the year. I love Christmas Eve. I, I love gathering with you, the worship, the sense of anticipation. Uh, it's, it's such a joy, but it's also one of the bigger challenges for me, uh, I confess, that Christmas Eve sermons are always some of the hardest ones to write. Because on the one hand, we're gathering to celebrate the single greatest wonder and mystery in the universe, that the God who created everything and who created us became one of us, that the author entered into the story that, that the eternal God took on human flesh. So we have that. But then on the other hand, we have the challenge that Christmas has become such a part of our culture and our society and our calendar and our rhythm that the language we use around Christmas, it's become overly familiar. That the songs, some of the, the richest songs we have these days are now mutilated by advertisers, right, to sell their wares. And every year there's some egregious offender. This year it has to be Old Navy. Can I get an amen from anyone? Hashtag sorry, not sorry. If you don't know what I'm talking about, you haven't watched football and you are blessed by the Lord. Um, and so these words and these ideas and these concepts that we, we use them again and again and again and over time, they start to lose some of their meaning the late pastor and author, Frederick Buechner, he once wrote, if you take any English word, even the most commonplace, and try repeating it 20 times in a, in a row, umbrella, let's say, umbrella, 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 umbrella. By the time we've finished, umbrella will not be a word anymore. It will be a noise only, an absurdity stripped of all meaning. And when we take even the greatest and most meaningful words that the Christian faith has and repeat them over and over again for some 2,000 years, much the same thing happens. I think at Christmas, that's when some of the, the greatest words that the Christian faith has, words like peace, hope, and love, they come out, but we use them. And we use them over and over again. And, and like he says, they become trite. They become meaningless. They, they become things that we see on Christmas cards or on signs or on advertisements. But they lose their meaning. And I think maybe the, the most popular, the most central word of the Christmas season that this happens to is joy. We've got it hanging over our fireplace. Uh, it was... On our Christmas card, I think last year, I think this year, we just went with Merry Christmas. Uh, it's in our songs. We'll sing joy to the world. It's, it's this word. It's one of the richest words and one of the richest promises that the Bible gives us. This promise of joy. But it gets lost in the season. And I think a lot of us would even struggle to say, one, I know the connection and I know why this is a season of joy. And two, I think a lot of us would struggle to say, yeah, I am a joyful person. 
think joy is in short supply. So tonight, I just want to talk about this word joy and where it comes from and why it matters to us and what the hope and the promise is for us. It's a hard word to define. You know, joy, it's in the same realm as maybe delight or contentment, peace, satisfaction. By far the most common synonym that we use with joy is happiness, but happiness, of course, it falls short. Because happiness, which is a wonderful thing, and I'm pro-happiness, but happiness is circumstantial. Happiness, it's, it's transient, it's slippery. And the older you get, the older I get, maybe you're like this, the, the more you recognize, man, I am in a very happy season, which means this is rare and it's probably not going to be here for long before something comes along. It, it slides through our fingers like sand. But joy, on the other hand, according to the scriptures, it's not fleeting and it's not, it's not unstable, it's solid. There's a weight to joy. Joy, it's, it's like happiness with roots. It's not blown here and there by the circumstances of life, which is why the Apostle Paul can say, I have joy in the midst of my sufferings. When life doesn't go the way I want, it's okay. I, I still have joy. Joy is, you, you could think of it like a buoyancy that, that enables you to ride on top of the waves of life as opposed to being swamped by them. This doesn't mean that a joyful person's always smiling. You know, I'm sure we've known people like that. They look like they sleep with a hanger in their mouth. They're just always grinning ear to ear. That's not what joy is, but joy is. It's a peacefulness, a contentment, a settledness, a stability, a hope that really is unshakable. And that way of being in the world, it's, it's not common and you know it when you see it and you want it when you see it. Which brings us to Luke 2. It's the most famous account surrounding the birth of Christ. We read it together. Uh, I want to read just a section of it again, starting in verse 6. Mary and Joseph, they traveled uh, to Bethlehem. And in verse 6, we're told that while they were there, the time came for the baby to be born. She gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger because there was no guest room available for them. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. That's the promise of Christmas. It's the promise of the birth of Christ. Good news of a great joy that will be available to all the people. Now we've heard it, we've seen Charlie Brown Christmas, maybe you watched that last night or you're gonna watch it tonight. And so we, we've heard this and we've become familiar with it to the point that we, we lose sight of how strange this is. And the strangeness here is the long-awaited Messiah has been born and the first birth announcement goes out to a group of shepherds. Shepherds were not influential people, 
these were blue-collar guys who lived on the fringes of society. They weren't related to Mary and Joseph. They didn't know who Mary and Joseph were. And yet, the angel appears. The angel of the Lord appears. And the first bit of, first announcement goes to these shepherds and the promises. I've come to bring really good news that's gonna cause great joy for all the people, including people like you. Now this teaches us something critical as we think about joy and as we think about what, what would it look like for joy to become more real in our lives. It teaches us that joy, it's not something we muster up within ourselves. Joy is something that, that originates outside of ourselves. It's not something that we attain or achieve. It's not a you know, personality trait. It's rather a gift. It's something that we receive. The angel doesn't say to the shepherds, don't be afraid. I've come with some news on how you can get yourself right with God. The angel doesn't say, don't be afraid, I've come to teach you how to harness the benefits of positive psychology in your life. The angel comes and says, I've got news. You need to hear about this. And it's not just any news, it's good news. And we all love good news, amen? Like I have never heard someone say, I can't take one more bit of good news this year. It's just been too much. You know, the cancer is gone. The test came back negative. You've been matched for an adoption. It's a girl. She said, yes, you got the job. You got into the college you want. We love this news because it, it always signifies something that's happening outside of us, that's coming to us, that's going to change our lives. It's going to benefit us. It's a gift. It's something we receive. It's not something we muster up or we do. What's the good news? Well, the, the angel says, here's the good news. Today, in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He's the Messiah. He's the Lord. And this will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths, lying in a manger. The angel says, the good news that's going to be of great joy for everyone, for all kinds of people. It's that a baby's been born. The, this baby is the promised Messiah, the much-anticipated, long-awaited Savior, the ones that the prophets had written and spoken about and that so many of the figures in the Old Testament pointed to, the one that would take away the sins of the world, the one that would not only reconcile us with God, but the one who, as Paul writes in Colossians, is going to reconcile all things to himself. One who's going to reconcile things in heaven and on earth. The one who's going to eradicate one day all sickness and disease and death. The one who will wipe away every tear. The angel says he's here. The one you've been waiting for. The one who's going to rule on the throne of David forever. He's here. But he's not wearing a royal robe. He's not arrayed in majestic armor. He's a baby in town down the road. And he's wrapped in strips of cloth. You see, the, 
the good news that causes great joy is that God has drawn near to us, but he didn't draw near to us in a frightening way, in a terrifying way. He didn't come as a warrior. He came as a child. He didn't come with a rod to scold us. Instead, he came as one of us to live with us, identify with us, and die for us. So the great joy that we celebrate at Christmas is that God is not against us. That God, he is nothing like Santa in the terrifying song. You better watch out. You better not cry. You better not, I mean, you think about that song. It's a terrifying song. We put it to good tune so it doesn't seem like it, but that's what we think God is like. That he's got this list and he's always watching He's always watching how you behave. He knows if you've been bad or good, so you better be careful. And and many of us, we grew up with that image and that understanding of God, that he's just keeping a tally. That wouldn't be good news of great joy. The good news of great joy is that while God certainly knows everything about us, he's not making a list so that he can damn us all. But he so loved the world and loved us that he stepped into the world to redeem us. Not because we've somehow earned it, not because he's, we've achieved it. It's, it's because love is at the very bottom of who God is. God is love. The incarnation is proof. Titus 3, Jesus is revered, referred to as the visible demonstration of the kindness of God. That doesn't mean he's a teddy bear. He takes sin seriously. He cares about injustice and wickedness and evil in the world and in our own hearts. But the incarnation was God in grace drawing near, saying, you can draw near to me. Not because of some moral perfection, not because you're super religious, but because I am going to take your sins on the cross. So I know we're we're all in different places in life and in our relationship with God. I know our minds are a million different places even tonight. I know some of you are here and you've experienced the joy of the Lord. And I want to encourage you, stoke those flames. Like stay near to the fire, stay warmed by him. Others of you, you are here purely out of a sense of duty or obligation to your mom or your dad or your kids. And I just want to say thanks for being a good sport and showing up. But the gospel is good news for you too. It's for all the people. And still others, you're here because it's Christmas Eve and something isn't right in your soul. It might be a darkness, a discouragement, Maybe you just feel like you've been in a spiritual funk for a while. It might be the source or caused by sin. It might be caused by suffering in your life. I just want you to know whatever you carried in with you tonight and whatever you're going home to or not going home to, whatever the next few days hold for you, the birth of Christ is God's invitation to us all that we can enter into his reconciling and healing presence. So I'm going to end with a prayer. And if any part of this prayer resonates with you, 
I want to encourage you to make it your own in your heart before the Lord. Thank you so much for joining us tonight. Let me pray. Father, it's so hard for us to to comprehend even the, the simplest lyrics that we sing tonight. That you have come and that you've come to make your blessings flow as far as the curse is found. So, Father, I pray tonight for those who are overjoyed that you would fan the flames of their joy and that they might radiate a joy over this next week and this next year and beyond. They might point to a hope beyond this world. Father, for those who are spiritually wandering, I pray that you would open their eyes to see that the doorway to life is with you and that door is wide open through your son. Father, for those here who are struggling deeply with anxiety or depression, mental illness, I pray, Lord, that you would give them a peace that surpasses understanding and that they would know that they are safe with you. Father, for those who are hardened by the deceitfulness of sin, grant them a conviction in your kindness that would lead them to repentance. Father, for the sorrowful, give them a confidence in your love, a sense of your presence, and more than anything, would you you guard their hearts with the promise that one day you will wipe away every tear, one day you will return, and you will complete what you started. Father, for all of us, I pray that the words of our mouth, the meditations of our heart would be pleasing to you, and that we might lead and live a life that is worthy of the good news you've brought to us. Lord, we ask these things in your son's name. Amen. Thanks for listening. For more information about our church, visit sojourneast.com.